Hey there, and welcome to the Fantasy Fantasia podcast, a podcast where a bunch of Canadian theatre nerds gather around and play various tabletop role-playing games, such as Dungeons & Dragons, Monster Hearts, Monster of the Week, Call of Cthulhu, and more. This podcast was in part made possible by the Alumni Association of the University of Windsor, so big thanks to them. You can go check out their opportunities for funding, their benefits, their services, and more, all on their website at www.uwindsor.ca slash alumni. My name is Avery Malosh, and I'll be your Dungeon Master for tonight's session of Dungeons & Dragons Legend of the Silver Flame. Previously in Legend of the Silver Flame, the Fighter Things Club continues forging a path through the Underdark on their way to the dwarven city of Ildichester. They stop for a short rest, but realize they are being followed by goblins. After much discussion, a plan is hatched to lure the goblins into a trap using music, but the goblins do not show up. Instead, they learn from a giant rat who just happened to be passing through the goblins have hatched a plan to trap them as well. So, a new plan is formed to spring the goblin trap in order to lure them back to their trap. Velvet, Sai, and Geriad stealthily press forward to check out where the goblins may be waiting for them. They come upon the gates of Ildichester. There's a great stone wall and portcullis that divides Ildichester from the Underdark. Our group tries to make a lot of noise in order to lure the goblins once more, but unintentionally lure a purple worm into the cavern. A great fight breaks out, where Velvet convinces the escaping goblins to turn and fight with them. Lena and Bree are still left behind at their camp, but finally, the battle ends with Sai punching the purple worm to death. The goblins praise Sai for his bravery, and Velvet teaches them to go vegetarian and to form a goblin choir. Now at the gate of Ildichester, dwarves are seen on the other side. They recognize Geriad and bring the group to a person named the Artificer. Signs of war are seen as they walk through a dwarven rebellion camp, with many dwarves training to fight, and many more dwarves injured from previous battle. They enter into a tent and they meet with the Artificer, who turns out to be Geriad's mother. Now let's jump into tonight's session. You guys are standing in this dwarven tent surrounded by all these mechanical parts, parts of dogs, parts of other animals being put together, a few of them still alive. Geriad, before you stands your long-lost mother, 
She's wearing a blacksmith's leather apron and she drops her welder's mask to the floor. She rubs her bright brown eyes with her dirty hands and pushes her blonde wavy hair out of her face. And after a moment of shock, she just says, my son, it's you. It's you, your brand. Mother. And then I just hug her. Yeah, she, she meets you halfway as you walk up and she holds you in this tight embrace and you feel her start to cry. And the first words she said is, I should have never abandoned you. I am so sorry, my son. Do not fret. She pulls back and she looks around and she says, you, you were outcast. What, what happened? I came back. <laughs> she and who are they I, I, I was just about to say I gestured to my friends these are my companions and my friends hello new friend hi I'm, I'm Sayor Gotha nice to meet you she kind of chuckles and says it, it is a pleasure to meet you all I there's so much to say she's very overwhelmed right now she looks to you Gary and says there's so much I have to tell you. There's so much that has happened. I. Why are you here? Um, I kind of like scratch my head a little bit and like, I don't even know what to say at first, but uh, Girid kind of looks up and uh, nods to the rest of the group. And um, we're here to collect the shards. The shard, the Kyber shard. Yes. She lets out a big sigh, and she looks to you all and says, So you know about the Lords of Dust? Know them? <laughs> We're killing them! <laughs> the Velvet Sands! <laughs> One at a time! <laughs> we just got Lord Thana! Yes! Done! I'm sorry, I actually haven't... I actually haven't heard of a Lord Thana, but... If you're here for the shard, I have a rather dreadful tale to tell you. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's not good. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, do tell. And Gyriot, and, and she turns to Gary and she says, and I owe you an apology and a story. And first, Gyriot, and she, he hold, she holds your face and she gently strokes your brand on your cheek and she says, I am so sorry. I should have never left you. I should have stayed with you and your father here in Ildachester, and I've regretted every day that I left. But he just kind of takes her hands and puts it down and says, maybe we should focus on the task at hand. Oh. She, her face, she kind of recomposes herself, gives a nod of assurance, and with a stern, pursed mouth, she says, okay, um, please, everybody, uh, s sit down. I'll, I'll tell you what's going on here. And if you're here for the shard, I, I do wish to know what you wish to do with it because it is actually why I came back too. You also came back for the shard? For my people, the shard is involved. It's, mm. it's all connected. Um, she gestures to a few stools, a box full of uh, various equipment, um, welding tools and whatnot. She says, uh, please make yourself comfortable. I'll try to be as succinct as possible. Mother. Son. What is all this that you have built? 
I've never seen anything quite like it. Sit down. I'll... I will tell all. Sai grabs a box and sits down. Do you happen to have any nuts or cashews or... I just... I get a bit, uh, uh, you know... A bit peckish. A bit peckish for a good story and Mm -hmm. food. That sounds good. Any mead... She turns to the dwarf that brought you guys in and she says, get them more. Bring them nuts, bring them mead. Uh, <laughs> oh, velvet high five sigh. Like this is best day ever. Uh, Lena taps Bree on the shoulder and goes, hey, I'm kind of sensing a pattern. First your mom leaves and you reunite. And now Gary's mom apparently left and reunites. Just seems like this is kind of becoming a thing, you know? Yeah, Bree looks at Lena and looks and yeah, you know what? This is, this is really nice. I think we need to try and get Gary to uh, talk to his mom. She clearly wants to, like, you know, heart to heart. I don't know. We can talk about it later. She's kind of looking at us. Oh, crap. Wave, mm-hmm. wave. <laughs> um, Bree kind of gives a little <laughs> smile and waves. <laughs> Next thing, size mom will be coming. So you all sit down. You're brought nuts and uh, very shitty mead. Um, they don't have exactly a wide selection of luxuries to offer right now. As I, you can tell, you they're, they're encampment. Um, you know I'm not picky at this point. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he drinks it and he kind of like initially makes sort of a face and then he just kind of, you know, he didn't, he didn't he doesn't care. He just kind of downs it. Sigh, look, pistachios. Ooh. Oh, bring it over here. Okay. Oh, mm. save oh. some for me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Bree telepathically says to Garriott's mom, thank you for this food. And um, before you tell your story, I know you mentioned you want to know what we want to do with the shards. And I just want to assure you that we only have the best of intentions and we want to stop the Lords of Dust from using them and completing the ritual. The almonds are unsalted, Mm. but that's okay. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) She immediately... Twitches her head to you, and <laughs> a little bit of detest, but hey, that, uh, she's a little overwhelmed okay. with emotion. That is okay with me, Gary's mom. <laughs> I, gra- I, gra- I grab a velvet by the head and I say, "Mind your manners, no." No. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, what, what, how do we address you? Do we call you Gary's mom or, or Madam Artificer? Artificer. Mm. My name is Lekara. 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 That's a lovely name. We all pull out our notebooks and write it down. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In game notebooks. (laughs) That's good. So she very dramatically lights a candle, a lantern, and its light casts a warm glow upon her face and these striking shadows and places it on a barrel in the middle of the room. And she says, I suppose to tell this story, I should start from the beginning. I, I owe you, Kyriad. I, I just kind of stare at her. Crossed arms. Kyriad, hmm. when you were a wee dwarf, first of all, he was very cute. She turns <laughs> around to everybody. He had the <laughs> reddest little nose. And Kyriad, I was never accepted amongst the people of Ildichester. As you grew up to know, they're they all look down upon magic. Magic is not allowed within the walls of Ildichester. The reason for that, which I'm not sure if you do know, but I'm sure your friends do not, is because many, many generations ago, magic was 
used an ilda chester we had a kingdom beneath the mountain within the underdark and it was a magnificent kingdom that thrived on its ore its gold its treasures its stonework but also its magic one of the most impressive magical artifacts was built within the halls of old ilda chester an arcane gate a reusable one we had enough we had enough raw materials to sustain its magic the use of diamonds and gold and whatnot and it was one of the most impressive impressive artifacts in all of valendia it could cast the arcane gate spell on a whim we could go any place that we knew any realm we could bring anybody to us it was impressive but one day as what happens with many great powers in this world something went wrong the wrong creature was brought through the gate a red dragon brought from a country far away and it laid ruin to much of old Ildichester. few dwarves remained many fought valiantly many fell but we did overcome and we beat the dragon and we slayed it and its remains were left in old Ildichester, and the few dwarves that survived decided the underdark was too dangerous and that magic should never be used again in order for in order to avoid another catastrophe of that scale. And so, the Eldachester you grew up to know was made. On the edge of the mountains, surrounded by a great wall. Now, the reason I was not accepted amongst the people was because, beyond any reason I know, I have natural magical abilities. And people began to find out. Seathird wanted to keep it secret, and we did for a time. But when more and more people began to know about my magical properties, they began to detest me. They began to treat me differently, cast stones at me in the streets. It grew rather violent. And I wanted to leave. All the people I had come to know and to love changed simply because I had something they didn't, something they feared, something they did not understand anymore, but something I thought that could help but they wouldn't hear of any of it. And so I gave your father an ultimatum. To come with me to leave Ildichester and take our family and live peacefully elsewhere. Or I was going to leave without him. And I should have known what your father would have chosen. The people love him. He's one of the greatest blacksmiths Ildichester has seen in a very long time. He stayed, knowing he had a duty to serve to his people, knowing that he could not choose a selfish love over that duty. And so when you were just a baby, I left alone. And I've regretted it every day since, Kyriot. I regret not being able to watch you grow up and come to know you, but I decided to travel south to where I knew that magic was not looked down upon, where I could train my skills and take them to the next level and discover exactly who I am. And so I traveled to Minver, the dragonborn city. 
and there I met someone, a, a mentor, and he worked with me, and I discovered that I have a knack for artificer powers, the ability to create inanimate objects and bring them to life, to imbue constructs with magical properties, like this boy here, and she pats the uh, metal dog that she just brought to life as you guys entered into the tent. And it became my life's work to create a very special magical artifact, a very special artificer artifact, one that could reanimate the dead. It became my life work to not become a necromancer, not to bring it back to the life it once knew in a disgusting form, but rather to simply reanimate its properties and its characteristics and to be able to control it, to be able to control those remains. And it required a great deal of magic to be able to use, and I planned on using the kyber shard that was in the Minver, and right when I finished my artifact and wanted to test it, the Lords of Dust came, and they laid ruin to Minver with the use of this horrific, terrible beast, this demonic creature that stood at least 50 feet tall. It was horrifying. And they took the kyber shard, and I managed to escape, and I came back to Ildichester because I didn't want the same fate to fall onto you, to fall onto Seether, to fall onto the people, and even though they cast me out, I still love them all. So I traveled back here and discovered that the Lords of Dust had not came here, that they had not laid waste to Ildichester. And I saw you with Seether, all grown up, but kept my distance. I did not let you know that I was here because I knew I had an important task at hand to protect the city from the Lords of Dust and that horrific monster. So I spoke to the king secretly. I convinced him that using this power, we could reanimate the dragon that was in old Ildichester, and we could use it to our advantage as an asset, as a tool in order to defend Ildichester from that horrific beast. He agreed, but he wanted to keep it secret because he knew that the people were still against magic and he didn't want to cause any issues. So we began to dig down. We began to look for those remains. Now in this time, Seathird grew suspicious. He began investigating me, this strange dwarf this secret, mysterious dwarf that had come into the city and was speaking to the king. He wondered why the king became so obsessed with digging through more dangerous parts of the Underdark. And one night, he overheard our plan to reanimate the dragon. He tried to escape the castle, but was captured by guards and injured gravely, almost killed by them. The king didn't want to spoil our plan. He didn't want people to learn what we were up to, so he decided to peg that injury on you. He decided to peg the blame on you and to outcast you so that we would not be found out for what we were doing. Because he knew you were different too. He knew that you had magical properties and he knew you'd be an easy target. I was outraged with the king. And I went to see Seathird in the jail cell they put him in, and I healed him, and I spoke with him for the first time in years, and he expressed the same regret that he wished he came with me and that we 
traveled together as a family away from Ildichester. He caught me up on you and how you grew up different than the others, how you took a liking to the bow and arrow, and I was just so proud of the stories he told of you. We decided that after we found the dragon remains, that we would leave and we would find you because we figured you couldn't have gone too far. You were just outcast. Now the next day, the remains were found. He brought them up and he decided to show all of Ildichester what we had found and our plan finally. Now, this artifact that I had created, it is a plate which you attach to the object and then there is a gauntlet which you attack to the attach to the user. The user has a bond with this plate attached to the object and they are able to control the object. The king went to do this and used the kyber shards energy to fuel the magic needed. When he presented the dragon, the people of Ildichester did not take a liking to the dragon. They became outraged. They were afraid of this dragon, this dragon that once, once destroyed Ildichester. People began to grab weapons and arms and they went to attack the king, but something changed. Suddenly the king screamed. He fell to the ground in pain and his eyes turned black and his skin pale white. His hair fell out and his skin grew veiny and dark. And he brought Seathird out and executed him using the dragon's fire breath as a warning to the rest of the city that he, anyone who defies him will meet the same fate. Lena like sits up and she goes, is the king still like this? Are his eyes still black? It is not known. After that, the city flew into chaos. There are those that I have gathered over the time to create this rebellion against the king to to stop what he has done. I realized I made a mistake. I should have I should have never introduced this magic and I'm not sure what went wrong. I just understood that the Kyber Shard had incredible magical qualities, but I didn't know that there were any strings attached. I have never had the ability to test it. Where's the king? Where is he? Now, from what I know, he's within his castle, but some time has passed since this event and things have got worse. At first, it was just the king with his dragon, but over time, as we've planned our attacks, more and more dwarves seem to have fallen under this strange influence. The king has been reported to have this strange black smoke falling from his eyes, pouring out of them, and other dwarves seem to have fallen under the same influence. Their eyes turned black with this dark, thick smoke pouring out of it as if charmed or entranced under the same evil power. I do not know what went wrong. I, I just know that this mistake is mine and I must do everything in my power to make things right again. So, just to be clear, he became like this just from touching a shard? What can you tell me about this kyber shard? Uh, Velvet, because he's been afraid of Gary, because Gary told him to shut the fuck up. Basically, um, <laughs> he had a mouthful. Of, he had a mouthful of nuts that he hadn't even chewed on. They've been sitting in his mouth this whole time. Oh, God. So like now that there's like quiet, he finally crunches down. There's, there's like echoing crunch in the room, and I give a swallow and I go, 
Well, that doesn't make sense. We we touch the shards all the time. Me and Bree and Sai. We, we didn't let Lena touch them. It turned out to be, that was a good call. But anyway, we haven't turned into crazy evil things, have we? Well, mm. She thinks. She says, now I know in Minver, the queen there was able to handle the kyber shard well on her own, uh, by touch. And I fear that this bond, this telepathic bond between this animated object and this gauntlet that I created, it creates a very strong telepathic bond between these things. I'm wondering if that opened a channel for something worse to make its way through. I, I don't, I'm not sure though. This is never, I could not have prepared for this. Um, All I know is that it creates this channel. Does um does Sai can I roll for something to to see if Sai has ever heard of something similar with like smoke coming out of people's eyes? Yeah, uh roll hmm, what would that be? Let's roll some roll history for me. History. Okay. Oh yay, that's my good one. Um that is a nineteen. Nineteen. So you've studied a lot, Sai. You've studied some demonology. Mm-hmm. And what you can remember is that if a bond is created, there are many ways that demons can enter a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with Lena, it was through proximity of mm-hmm. a very specific uh, demonic connection in that dark pool that you guys encountered. Um, there are certain things like the silver flame, like that pool, uh, that are strong connections between the demonic world and this one. You suspect that maybe, although the kyber shards seal away demons Mm -hmm. that because this kyber shard was mixed with this magic whose purpose is to create a clear strong telepathic connection between object and wielder that maybe that could be enough to create a similar gateway for something to enter through and with that you know a few things that are sealed away within kyber shards (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes Mm-hmm. It's been kind of a gods and demons uh, theme, a eh? lock in the shards. So I'm is, gonna yeah. guess. Mm, yeah. Is Ra- is Rack responding to this yeah. at all? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> when she described the smoke pouring out of the eyes, you get a very chilling itch down your spine. Mm. You almost get the sense that Rack is Scared? shocked. Oh. Okay. And this seems like. A situation that he's like, no, fuck. Like, this is a <laughs> bad thing. Um, but it would require a conversation with them to find out exactly yeah, 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 what's, yeah. what he's up to. Lena, yeah, are you yeah. reacting to this? Yeah, or do we uh, no, she's, 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 no, she's just, she was just sitting quietly and like observing Rack. But I think she's, um, I think she stands up and she goes, uh, could you point me in the direction of like a restroom or something like that? I'd rather not <laughs> it be a hole in the ground in front of people. <laughs> Yes, there is um, a lavatory more toward the back of the camp. Follow the broken statue of one of our past kings. Mm. Uh, it's right to the left of a series of cages. Okay. Um, in, in fact, we actually captured one of the possessed dwarves. We managed to bring them back, and oh. he is in one of those cages. Uh, oh. I'll take a look as I go. I'll be, I'll be right starts to fume back. with anger. Mm. She, she like she sees, she like stops and just sees Gary and goes. I, I, I take the uh, I take the ale, and I whip it like right like literally right like on the ground or like whoever's like, 
like to the closest pillar, whatever. Like I, I shattered that uh, glass of ale or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And meat is splashed all around the room. Uh, I, I get right in her face, um, and I say, even if we painstakingly piece together everything I've lost, it doesn't mean the things that will ever go back to the way they were. Bring me to this possessor. Ooh. She, there's so much more she wants to say, but she knows now is not the time. And she says, I've been trying to study him, but can't get any answers. It's not my field. Let's let's take a look, um, oh. if, if you don't mind. Others, if you feel, please feel free to come. I would love to know what's going on as well. Okay, uh, I, I guess we'll all walk in the direction, then I'll break off to the restaurant. Oh, yeah, you go XP <laughs> over there, yeah, Lita. I have a quick a quick question though. Who is the reigning monarch right now? The one with the you know the dragon that you so kindly gave life. King Mortis. Um, I'm going to use my, uh, it's, this isn't really a move, Avery. It's just a, a bardic quality, but the one that I have is okay. called by popular demand. So it's that you always find a place to perform usually in an inn or a tavern, but possibly a circus or a theater, even a noble's court. Um, you receive free lodging and stuff. Cause people have, have heard of you. Have I ever gone to this town in my like tour circuit? Um, and if so, does that King seem familiar or would it have been a past King? Uh, I'm going to say that you have been to Ildichester once, uh, a while ago. It was, uh, it's almost like a drunken fever dream. You, you were, uh, you had to get through the Underdark and let, let's say maybe, um, you had people to protect you along the way, but it was a little scary. So maybe you went to the alcohol to kind of just get through it or something. I don't know, but, um, <laughs> the king would know of you. Yes. Yeah. No. And people here would know of yeah, you. Yeah. Last time I was here when we were touring Gnome and Bones, I, I, I had to, I think I was drinking fire whiskey by like the gallon. Um, but, uh, I think the king's name sounds familiar. I think he was, he, he was the one that like would always like serve you chicken right and you were like i thought we were having pork and he was like no it's chicken it, it was that king right how is how is this helping velvet <laughs> i don't yes. know i get, i i just uh, placed the face let's go sorry lita has to pee but do, do you remember anything about this king no not really but i figure like he was like i'm me. gonna break off while you guys are talking I'm sorry gonna lita's off. gonna go talk to a demon i mean pee <laughs> Bree sees Lena heading out, and she telepathically says to her, um, Lena, I, I know you want to be alone right now, but Ugh. later on, could you and I have a chat? Yeah, we're all looking at Lena. Like, I, I don't know how, like, <laughs> you think you're sneaking out, we're... but we're all staring. I feel like oh, everyone no, is staring at her. you. Yeah. Sai is following her. Oh, oh, no, Velvet's not. Velvet's just watching her. Yeah, Velvet's not going to follow well, her. Well, but though. you're headed out to the, the washroom slash possessed dwarf, right? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just starting to go. Yeah, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. so I'm assuming Sai's people are near. But yeah, yeah, Lena turns to Bree and's like, oh, uh, yeah, uh, sure. Just tap me when you're ready. And she's like, okay. Bree, Bree nods to her. And as Sai is walking, now, um, <laughs> uh, this is a, a new cantrip that I, I have not yet used. Um, he looks over at, um, hold on, I just wanna, okay, I have to point my finger towards Bree. And um, Sai just kind of says, and kind of explains um, his theory about what happened with the, the plate and the gauntlet and the, the possession. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he says, and you remember what was in the shards? Brain nods. Mm. This is very bad. Mm. So this is message, and this is um, something that only Bree and Sai can 
can hear because it's uh, I whisper it only to Bree. Yes, yes, right into her ear. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah Bree telepathically says to uh, Sai, I'm, "I'm worried about Lena." Mm, me too. As a group, uh, you all begin to head toward the lavatory slash this cage. Uh, you make your way through the encampment once more. You continue to watch dwarves eating very small, sad rations and just scraping by. Many of them are injured or dirty in some way, and you can tell that they've been at this rebellion for quite some time now. They seem disheartened. Their numbers are fewer. Their, their morale is down. Um, that That's the vibe of this camp. Sai hmm. goes over to one of the, the um, biggest tables and cast prestidigitation on it to um i'm allowed to kind of make food more flavorful for a short period of time so i'm kind of like living oh. up there for food the dwarves are stunned by your magic at first as the light <gasps> enters into their food and they stand up and they say you tried to poison us oh no 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 I, i'm sorry friend no i was uh if we I, I wanted forgot. to kill you um, we would have killed you by now sit down <laughs> you're not helping you're not helping no he he sits down <laughs> it's it's just to make it taste better, I, I promise. And he kind of grabs a piece of bread and kind of like puts it in his mouth to um, just to show that he's willing to eat it too. And then he realizes that he just ate probably like half the rations. <laughs> yeah, they, they just look at you stone cold. They're like, that was my dinner. Oh, oh no. Uh, I'm so sorry. Brie, and uh, Brie pulls some rations out of her bag and puts it on the table and says, Yeah, side is the here, same. He's here you go. Down. I apologize for... My friend, he, he didn't mean anything by it. He was no, just trying to help. No, That's I what you get for that. trying to help, Sai. Don't be a good Samaritan. Okay, Let's I'm go. I'm just going to go this way. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. You are a kind friend, little one. Thank you. Lena g- glances quickly at Giriad after, like, the outburst before they left. How is how is he looking right now, Matt? Like, uh, how, what's... What? Uh, he's just um, even quieter than, than usual, and he's mm-hmm. just almost red in the face, <laughs> crossed Ooh. arms. Okay. Lena just notes that. And and Sai, um, during that whole story, um, Sai was kind of listening intently, and then as soon as um, she said the red dragon, he he just kind of starts like startled. And then after that, he became unusually quiet and his, his sort of had a furrowed brow. And every time she would mention the red dragon, she kind of he would kind of, you know, perk up. And um, is uh, where is she walking? Is she close to Sai? Lakara right now? Lakara, yeah. Uh, if, yeah, she can be if you want, if you want to have a conversation. Yes, I would like to have her. a conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so um, right after you uh, eat someone's rations and try to make it up to them, uh, <laughs> Lakara is also just watching Gary walk ahead, and she seems concerned. She's alone for a moment. You approach her. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you for that story. It was very helpful, and uh, I'm... I'm Sorry, I, I see that there's some tension with uh, you and your son. I believe me, I I know that feeling. Um, I, I just have a question. Um, you said that the red dragon came through the arcane gate. Do you know where the red dragon came from? Unfortunately, I don't believe so. No. Um, okay. It's it's a legend passed from a very long time ago. Hmm. What, what, what? You seem familiar with dragons. She raises an eyebrow. Uh, yes, yes. I, uh, I've studied them in my my uh, magic training. Um, ah. Uh, yes. This is this is good, actually. She she her eyes light up a bit. Every dragon has its weakness, and perhaps you could you could help us find out this once. And the dragon, 
It's in the castle with the king, is that correct? Yes, it looms on the great balcony on the side of the mountain that overlooks the entire city. Mm. Tell me, is it a young dragon? Do you know? Based on its size? Mm. And she just slowly shakes her head side to side. Hmm. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. She she grabs your arm, Mm. Sai, and she says... I have an idea of a plan, and now that you are all here and we have a dragon expert, I, th- I think you could be very useful. I, I, w- I, w- I wish to speak to you all after we take a look at this dwarf and try to get a better understanding of what happened to him. Yes, uh, very good. Yes, that sounds like a good plan. And Sai continues to walk ahead, and he's st- he's still looking very distracted and kind of a, with a furrowed brow. Hmm. Sai, she calls out as well. Y- yes. <laughs> Do you know how I can make this all up to Giriot? Is is there anything I can do to help him in any way? I think just giving him some time. You you you've you've told him a lot, and I think he just he's processing it right now. I think that give him some some space, and and well, hopefully he will he will come back and he will understand you a bit better. Breed uh, telepathically says to Bakara, I heard you say you want to help Giriad. Um, his bird mimic was injured. I don't know if there's anything you could do to help him with your magic. I, I think Giriad would really appreciate it. She thinks for a moment and, and quickly smiles and takes a big breath and says, you know, actually, I think there might be something I could do with that. I, uh, okay, okay. Okay, yes, I thank you. Thank you for letting me know. I I think I have an idea. Um, come, come, let's let's see this dwarf. Giriad and, and and Velvet are walking with them, right? We're not we're not in that conversation, but we're still heading over. Yes. Awesome. Okay, I just want to lead over to Giriad like really quickly. I feel like we're kind of headed back or maybe ahead because they stopped to talk or what, 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 yes. what, whatever. And then he's like, hey, uh, Giriad, um, just uh, something I want to say, buddy. I know that you seem a little uh, tense with all the drama to be back home, but but uh, uh, listen, coming from someone that doesn't really have a lot of family, we've seen just about everyone's family members in our group either die or be possessed and then die or or, 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 or leave forever. Um, so, you know, maybe just don't be so hard on your mom, man. I, um... Giriad, um, kind of looks at him for a second sternly, and his eyes start to furrow, like, brow, like, get angrier. He oh, puts no. his hand on his shoulder and goes, You are my Tiklak, he says. <laughs> Thank you. It's dwarven. (laughs) (laughs) Like a smile that says like, yes. Do you know what that means, Velvet? Um, do I know dwarvish? Hold on. Let let, 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 let me see. Um, (laughs) I I, I know a few different languages here. Um, common and gnome. Uh, oh wait, uh, gnome-ish. It's the same text as dwarvish. So could I maybe, it could it be like, I, I, I know it like, like in the sense of like an Italian and French. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, you have an idea of three possibilities, and uh, they range from great to bad. Okay, okay. So you might have just called me a Beatles anus, but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt here, Gary. And what, what did you mean? I have no family here. 
But you, you Velvet, you are my family. And then I keep walking. Oh. Oh, like and like like a you know typical like uh, like C C W show is he walks away you just see Velvet kind of smile to himself and he like skips as he walks and he starts whistling. Oh, that's great! <laughs> All this great stuff on the way to the bathroom. It's great. <laughs> you guys cross the camp and you come to. The makeshift cage is made of iron and wood roped together. And what you see is a dwarf who you hear him before you see him. You hear these constant gurgled yells and this pounding metal. And when you turn the corner around the final tent, you see that this dwarf about 20 feet away in the cage is just constantly rhythmically smashing his head off the side of this metal cage and he's just yelling with each smash and you see that there's blood trickling down his face but also his eyes are as she described entirely black and there's smoke pouring out of them like wispy tears and falling creating this dark pool at his feet Ooh. does rack respond to that Yes, you feel the tingle, 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 mm. tingle, and you can tell he, he kind of wants to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, Lena, Lena kind of looks at the cage, and then backs away and says, "I'll, I'll be, I'll be right back." And she looks a little concerned, but then she just walks wherever to the bathroom. Avery, okay. demonic possession, which is what I suspect, is different than a curse, correct? Yes, it is. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, a curse is kind of like a one-off, right? And right just has but this is like an ongoing charming effect if you will right gotcha so like Hara points to him and says I haven't been able to get a word out of him he just continually smashes and yells and I don't know what this smoke means but he's been relentless I, he should be knocked out by now he's been doing this all day am I with am I here with this or no yeah everybody's here except Lena who walked away all right um I I kneel towards the dwarf and I, um, can I re can I touch him? Yeah, absolutely. I put my hand through the cage, and I hold his hand. His hand feels incredibly cold, and you feel there's an intense pulsing through the veins in his hand. And as soon as you touch him, his eyes turn down your hand, and he immediately goes to grab your hand. Can you make a dexterity saving throw for yes, me? Yes, I can. One second. You gotta beat 15. <laughs> 21. Damn. Okay, yeah, you pass. He grabs your finger and he attempts to try to snap it back, <gasps> but you manage to reach your other hand in, grab his wrist, uh, press down on his arm in a way that releases his grip on his hand and you quickly pull back. And then he just slowly turns back to his cage and starts banging his head once again. Now, Lena, as mm -hmm. you're walking away to go get a little bit of space, mm -hmm. Rack wants to speak to you. After that happens with Giriad, the dwarf looks past the group and at you, Lena, as you're walking away. And the dwarf says, Brother. Lena's like, tell me that's not your sister. She mumbles to <laughs> she mumbles to Rack and then turns slowly around. <laughs> my, my, my brother. It's wonderful to see you. There's two of them? Rack is like <laughs> outraged in the back of your brain. Uh, we got two of them. Can can did he did they say that in um Infernal or Abyssal or was that in common? 
common. Everybody oh, heard it. Oh, everyone heard it. Fuck. Okay, yeah. Oh. Lena, Lena just turns back around, so she's not facing the group, and just mutters to Rack, what do I do? Hmm? Do you want to talk to he, your sister? Um, he gives you the sense, no. Um, he doesn't want to. He's a little afraid. And then um, she just... Then I think she just keeps walking. She just keeps walking. Oh, do you keep walking away? The, uh, the dwarf says... You found your way out all those years ago, and I've finally found mine. <laughs> I'm going to destroy you, Rack. I'm going to be that which you never could be. She's yelling after you as you Le- walk away. Lena, like, I'm going to be reincarnated. I will destroy this world. <laughs> uh, Lena then, st- I feel like she stopped. Well, it's probably not going to do it, but she stops. Um turns back to the group and then just without like giving them a chance to ask what was going on, she runs up as close as needed and throws a hand axe. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. That was going to try But it did to... happen so fast. You can't like she wasn't she didn't tell you that was going to happen. No, I know. I'm not I'm, I'm not stopping you from doing it. I'm going to try to tackle her after she she throws it. Basically to stop um, her from doing worse. That's a mm-hmm. 23 to hit and um I think she's gonna rage while she does it and then come out of it. So it's, uh, I should have said that from the beginning, sorry. So that's, no worries. So that's uh, 12 damage. Okay, so you throw this hand axe. Right at his face. She's going right for the face, right for the mouth to like shut him up. So the axe flies across the room, smashes through the uh, iron bars as he actually weakened it with his forehead and hits him square in the face. His head lurches back. And he cracks his neck back and looks at you. And a lot of blood, this black blood, begins to gush out his face. And his final words were, I'll see you at the silver flame. After she does it, after she after she does it, she just fucking bolts. She's just running to like, she doesn't know what they want to do, but she's just, she just runs so none of the group can. Yeah, no, I'm going to grab a fluff out of my rust bag of tricks and I'm going to throw it. I'm going to chase after her because that's, that's bullshit. Um, <laughs> All right, what animal? What animal? Uh, well, let's find out, man. I'm gonna roll right now. Um, oh my god, it's a fucking giant goat again. Oh my god! So Velvet's really hoping for a lion or a bear here. He's like, "Come on, baby!" And it's just a man. fucking giant goat. He's like, "Oh, goats." Fuck. Can I say she figured one of the people would have tried to chase after her, so she's gonna try to find a spot to hide, Avery. I don't know if I have to roll to try and hide somewhere too. Um, so what's the, the goat can actually run as fast as Lena. I think it's both Fuck. 40. And the, yeah, the, the goat has a charge, so I can, if the goat moves at least 20 feet straight towards a target and then hits it on an attack, um, it's knocked prone. So I guess, uh, it's, it's movement speed is 40 feet. Do you want to knock her prone? Yeah. Okay, you'll, you'll have the chance to do that first. Okay, cool. Do you want me to, do, I, I assume I just, I'm, I'm rolling for that right now? It's a roll to hit, correct? It is a roll to hit. Perfect. Let's do it. Awesome. Fourteen plus. Do I add? Do I add anything to that? A strength, dex, con, or anything like that? Uh, add the goat's strength. At, okay, so that's going to be seventeen. Okay, Selena, so you begin to bolt away. Velvet quickly gets on this giant goat, and it rams you and knocks you prone. Unfortunately. And she's still like, and she's still in a rage and she just goes, what are you doing? Just let me go. I was just shutting it up. Why are you making this a thing? You take four, uh, you take uh, four damage, by the way. 
Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's actually only oh, two man. if it's piercing. That's fine. Or and sure, does sure, sure. a front flip off the, the the goat and like lands kind of so 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 like Lena's kind of in the middle of them both and he goes, "Listen, okay, you told us." In the fucking thing back there where we were, you know, a million feet down under that mountain that the demon wasn't calling the shots and you just walked away all fucking quiet and threw an axe at the perfectly good person we could have interrogated. Lena, you're not in control. I am in control. Bullshit. I wanted to shut it up. Velvet is like, I, I, he, I, I feel like I pull out my like leer and I'm just like tickling the keys and there's just like electricity dancing between my fingers. Velvet's mm-hmm. pissed because like he fucking hates demons and this was like a really big sign for him. And he's like, no, Lita, I'm sorry, but I, 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 everything changed. We, you gained our trust and then you just pull this shit. Velvet. And he, he just calms down and stares at Gary. Remove yourself from Lena. And Lena's just like panting because she's still in a rage, but she's waiting until Velvet calms the fuck down before she comes out of it. He he like scowls at Lena and is like talking under his breath and just walks away. He doesn't even give her a chance. He gets on the goat and he just goes back away. He goes, fine, she's your problem. Lena, Lena, what, what, what's going on? I'm... It's fine. I I just need you, to go to the bathroom, and no, then I will be back. No, you need to calm down. I'm. She kind of looks to Gary, and she's like, "Are you sure it's okay?" Yes. And she kind of just like closes her eyes and takes a couple breaths, and then comes out of it, and her eyes go back to to normal. Why did you kill this man? Ra- um, she's waiting. She like waits to see if like Rack's gonna say like, "Shut the fuck up! Don't say anything." Not nah, man. You put your. He's he's pretty dormant. He just uh, he just hates his sister. That's it. Um, <laughs> Rack didn't like who was in there. Rack Tokesh. Hmm. So I just shut him up. But now we can't know what he knows. We oh, we have no way of being able to to interrogate him or anything. Um. And, I may know some things, but I need to, I need to talk to, you know, preferably alone. But just do it already, Velvet says, as like in the back, just like super unimpressed with Lena. Why don't you do it here in front of us? Mm -hmm. What is there to hide? We already know Uh, she doesn't trust us. That's right. We already know what's inside of her, so... Mm -hmm. I will not sit here and listen to this insolence. We stick together. Speak to him. Does does Rack say anything to that, Matt? Uh, Matt Avery. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Matt, do you know? <laughs> the the cat yeah. is out of the bag. I mean, he's not yeah, opposed yeah, yeah. to just speaking to you. Uh, uh, she kind of just. I guess she's never done it, so she's a little uncomfortable. So she just kind of slowly puts up her hood, so it's like covering her face. She goes. Okay. And she's like, <laughs> can you guys like not stare at me? Maybe it's kind of weird. Giri, I feel like I'm. Giri just continues to stare. <laughs> okay. Besides looking away. Yeah. Okay. Bree turns um, around. It doesn't look. <clears throat> and she just kind of mutters. She goes, uh, well, floor's yours. And she sees if Rack says anything. Lakara leans before he says anything. Lakara just leans over and says, "What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is happening?" <laughs> Rack, uh, your eyes turn black, and um, Lena, do you wish for him to speak to the group or just to you? 
Oh, I don't know if that's, I didn't know that was an option. Um, he could, he could just speak to you in your head or you can uh, allow him to just take over and speak for a moment. Um, she kind of like is a little bit like weirded out that he offers that. And he, uh, he turns to, she turns to Geriad cause he's kind of the one she feels good about and who seems to be kind of, you know, so she goes, um, do you, he, he's, he wants to, he can talk to the group. I nod. And she just nods and says, okay, fine, do it quick. D&D Legend of the Silver Flame will be right back after a brief message from our sponsors. If you're enjoying our epic adventure, be sure to check out our social media pages at the Fantasy Fantasia Podcast. As well, spread word about us to your family and friends so they can adventure with us too. Thank you. And now, a word from our sponsor, Antonino's Pizza. Our specialty is pizza. That's what we do. It's what we do best. We don't offer pasta. We don't offer wings. We don't offer fries. We stick to what we do best, and we believe we do it better than anyone else. The best pizza in town or your money back every penny. We have three locations, South Windsor, Tecumseh at Manning and Amy Croft, and LaSalle on Malden Road. And now, a word from our sponsor, Brimstone Games, your one-stop shop for all your tabletop needs. Located at 1421 Tecumseh Road East in Windsor. Immediately after you say, do it quick, you feel this fiery pain enter your blood begins to boil. The same scene you guys saw before when he took over, her hair turns black, another bits of it, more bits of it fall out. Um, your eyes turn black, your skin turns pale and veiny. I have no hair left. <laughs> but, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and finally, with a final kind of crack as he straightens his back, Lena's back, mm. he opens his eyes and you see there this dark with a with a hint of this red glow within them. And he looks to you all and he says, That was my sister, Sulkatesh. She is the demon overlord they wish to resurrect at the Silver Flame. She cannot succeed in this task. I believe whatever artifact this dwarf created allowed her a channel through the Kyber Shard into the king's mind. And he sounds pissed about it, too. Because I says, called it. <laughs> <laughs> they are linked. I know she is not powerful enough to be free of her vessel, much like I am with Lena. But she can influence him, and she has a mastery of influencing others. So this this dwarf that, that Lena just killed... I, what happens to Sol Katesh? What, what does does her spirit uh, latch onto a new person, or does it just disappear? Sol Katesh is linked to the Kyber Shard, which is linked to the dragon. She's only granted access to the king's mind and other minds through that. The king is still alive, nearly under his influence, like Lena is now. Hmm. So any one of these dwarves here could all of a sudden be possessed by your sister. 
If they come within a close enough proximity of the king, the vessel, the dragon, then yes. So we need to keep the king away from uh, pretty much everybody. Okay. Lycara jumps in and she says, over time, this king has been amassing an army of these possessed dwarves. I'm not sure how many more are left in the city. Any that were not possessed, I believe, joined us here in safety. What if the king could be disconnected? What if we can remove his gauntlet? Would that sever the connection? And Rack thinks for a moment and he says, Possibly. Hmm. And Lena, you come back. <sighs> oh, Are crap. you okay, Lena? She looks down at some of the hair on the ground and <laughs> touches her head. <laughs> yeah. Thank God I got a lot of hair. Lakara speaks up and she says, I know I have no grounds to ask for your help, but you need the Kyber Shard. Mm-hmm. I need Ildichester safe and these people. If we can get that gauntlet off of the king, I believe that we can sever that connection, that telekinetic connection between the artifact latched onto the dragon and the gauntlet is the only reason Solkatesh has access to his mind. If we can get it off of him, I think the dragon will become dormant and Solkatesh will no longer be able to influence him. I agree, that's what I was thinking. Now, can you tell us about this artifact? How is it attached? Is it just simply worn as a glove or is there some sort of magical uh, attachment to the the wearer? Um, There is no magical attachment to the wearer. It is simply this mechanical gauntlet that is able to tune into the wearer's mind and create that connection with the plate that is attached to the animated object, the dragon. Mm -hmm. If we can slip it off of him. Get the glove off of him and call it a day. Well, I'm sure the dragon is never far from his master. Mm-hmm. Yes, I don't think this will be easy, but now we know what to do. You're overthinking it. Well, what we gotta do is get the glove off of Everything else is background noise. Do, do you think <laughs> it'll easily give us... He'll just... We'll just say, hey, can I try on that glove? And then he'll just give it so to I, I turn to invisible. Fire-breathing dragons <laughs> are not a velvet problem. That That's a you and Gyrian problem. That, that is... And maybe Bree and Lena too. But... Uh, that's not up in my business, so I could just tickle the glove, right? That sounds good. I I, I like doing that part. And Vote what if Velvet. the dragon? And what if he calls the dragon over while you're trying to take the glove off his hand, and you mm-hmm. become possessed? Well, you know, that's when I'm gonna rely on Team uh, Whoopass, and he points to basically everyone but him, all of you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that that's how a proper band works, right? Let's do this. <laughs> Lena Lena says, okay, that's Velvet's comment, but Gyriad, what? This is your home. What do you want to do? This is not my home. This is my prison, and they are my wardens. Uh, okay. Well, um, do you want to do this? We must, and I will do what I must. Lena says, well, I'm no war strategist, but it seems to me that we need some people to distract the dragon while some people grab the glove. Did your demon tell you to do that, Lena? That's thinking outside the box, says Velvet. It's a perfect Lena, plan. Lena ignores, Lena ignores that and turns to the group and says, so I guess we just, but whoever fights the dragon, I mean, has a chance of getting possessed unless there's some ways to block it or else I guess I can just do it, but. Well, you're already possessed, Lena, so we're really not missing out on much. That's, that's why <laughs> I meant I could 
do it. Okay. Anyway, but, but <laughs> yes, Kyle, I... one, one more, one more detail. Um, yes. th- this, the Kyber shard, where is that located? Is it on the gauntlet or the plate? Her face turns a little white and she says, Oh, good call. The, the plate. Just about to ask that. But if we separate the gauntlet from its wielder, the dragon will become deanimated, and we should be able to take it. I think that's the that's the key there. Okay. Um, She claps her hands together and she says, "This has been a lot, even for me. Why don't we take a a small rest and meet back in an hour, and we can strategize in my tent?" Yeah, good idea. Sounds that sounds good. Yeah, Mm. pre-telepathiclesis. That that sounds good. Um, Lena, while we have a rest, would you mind um, going somewhere and chatting? Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Giri, do you want to come in my uh, uh, Lehman's Tiny Hut and drink from my wine fountain? He he thinks for a second, smiles, and then goes in. Yay! <laughs> and he like he like wraps his arm around I guess Girion's like waist-ish. Just like a hey buddy, he he can't he can't reach his shoulders, but he gets as close as he can. He lifts you up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> come on, goat, let's go. The goat follows. <laughs> and and Sai wanted to go talk to Girion, but he realizes that he's gonna go in the <laughs> hut. So he's actually going to um if, Is there like a had, bonfire anywhere around? Had you, wait, would I have known oh, that you would have wanted to speak to me? No, no. Oh. It, uh, he didn't really make that clear. Okay. That's okay. Are you sure? All right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep, I'm good. <laughs> okay. Yes, there is a bonfire near. Okay. And uh, there are just dwarfs surrounding it warming up. Okay. Um, <clears throat> all right. Um, so he's going <laughs> to... He's the dwarves that... that kind of accused him of ste- or you know, not accused him he did steal the rations like is it, are they friendly dwarves to him yeah More so long as uh, yeah they're, they're all just um, they don't really seem to they seem indifferent they're kind of sullen in their own worries and anxieties about this civil war sort of happening right now so okay. they don't really pay any mind to you okay so he goes over and he just sits and he's just gonna kind of look at the the fire for a bit and um I can kind of make some images uh, using prestidigitation in the the fire, just to kind of liven things up. He's just kind of, <laughs> you know, playing with playing with fire while he's sort of lost in thought. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Roll some performance for me. All right. <laughs> Let's see okay. how, Let's see a show, Kim. Oh no, that's a crit fail. Oh, oh no. <laughs> so uh, no need for a percentage dice. I mean, what could happen, right? <laughs> it's all good. Um, so you begin to play with the fire and I'm going to say uh, you begin to make these cool shapes of like the celestial sky above the fire glistening in the smoke. And at first they're like, ooh. But as you're looking, your mind kind of drifts to the dragon, mm. the red <laughs> dragon, the destruction oh, no. <laughs> yes. it cast upon Ildechester. And you have these images briefly of your wife and mm. traveling with her into a den mm-hmm. and an egg. Mm. And you're brought back to reality and you realize you've created this fire dragon above them and all the dwarves <laughs> have left the bonfire and a few of them are looking at you over their shoulders oh, no. and have joined other groups. Oh, no. oh uh, sorry. And can he just stop it? Oh, yeah. Okay, no. so he just stops concentrating. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh. yeah, it goes away and... Uh, 
Yeah, people are starting not to like you, Sai. Yeah, I'm, I'm the worm king is not loved here. here. <laughs> uh, Garriot and Velvet, or um, yeah, Garriot and Velvet. You're currently inside of Velvet's Liamid's tidy hut, but it's Velvet's tidy hut at this point. Yeah. Um, what are you guys up to? Yeah, you just see like the the shag carpet just everywhere, and like in the center, there's that uh, statue of Velvet that like a wine comes out of. It's quite it's quite extra. So <laughs> he's just like flopping on the ground there and giving Gary a cup of wine and goes, "So, um, buddy, what? Uh, I, I I gotta ask you." I thank you for stopping me from um, getting too angry with Lena, but you have to see where I'm coming from here, Girid. I don't trust a single fucking thing that comes out of her mouth as long as she's working with a demon. Not a single thing. I did, and then she just proved to me right there that she's not capable of any trust. Am I crazy? I'm probably crazy. I'm known to be a drama queen. You are not crazy. In fact, a drama queen though. <laughs> he he laughs. <laughs> Of all the gnomes, even humans I've met, you are the mightiest warrior I've ever known. <laughs> Velvet actually bursts out laughing. <laughs> oh shit, you're serious. <laughs> I feel like after Geary doesn't join him, he goes, oh, you're, you're, you're serious. It, was it I that jumped onto Lena? Was it the wizard? Was it the healer? No, it was you. Have you forgotten that already? Well, I do have short-term memory from years of alcoholism, but no, I haven't forgotten that yet. You do not give yourself enough credit, no? Gerid, here's my question. Um, after, once we're at the Silver Flame Island, and can we trust what Lena's going to do? The demon inside of her is going to make a play. I don't know what it is, but if his sister is there, if any power she has, you you, you can't tell me he's not going to try to take it. I can't, because I feel you are right. But, never mind, Rakdalkash. Okay. Can you trust Lena? Right now, I... I don't know. I don't think so. Rakdalkash is part of Lena. We love Lena. We do, but he makes her so unpredictable. We must trust Lena, no matter what. Well, that's what the, uh, sorry, what did you call me again? Fuck, dwarf her name for family. Fuck, 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 I had this too. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, hold on, I had it, I had it, I had it. Tiglock. Tiglock. Well, I guess... I guess if my Teaglock says that, I, I guess I do owe you that. But, Girid, on, on a nicer note, once we're done all of this Kyber Shard and save the world and all the bullshit ends, I have something I, I've been meaning to ask you. We have been on some great adventures, and we have played together on multiple occasions. So, I thought, maybe we could team up and go on tour. Just me and you. <laughs> He starts to, like, laugh hard. You've never seen him laugh this hard. He started like, literally, he's wheezing. Velvet, <laughs> like, laughs with him, so I feel like he doesn't really know what's funny, but... <laughs> 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 
throughout <laughs> yes? my throughout my life, gnome, the moments and people who have defined me, they have all been illuminated by sparks. Why not all go together? Let's see where this journey takes us. I like the sound of that, buddy. And he goes to cheers him with his goblet. <laughs> cheers. Clink. As you guys clink your goblets, uh, Lekara pokes her head through the tent and she says, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, Geriad, do you mind if I have a word with you? He nods and he looks to, um, he looks to, um, Velvet one last time and he goes, no matter the journey though, I will always be right here. And he points to your heart and then he leaves the exit. Oh, romance. I love it. Velvet doesn't have the heart to tell him that gnomes have hearts on the, the right side, but oh. he, he, he just, he just, he just, honestly, I'm just kidding. Every cut that out because I just ruined it completely. But no, I, just, no, I love it. Yeah, it's Dan. Okay. <laughs> he goes, so uh, yeah, Velvet doesn't have the heart to tell him that he has uh, a heart on the right side of his chest, but he goes, yeah, you too, buddy. And I'll mm. always be here. And he points to his gonads. That's where you'll feel me. <laughs> oh my God. He's, he goes back to being angry and then leaves <laughs> and Velvet goes back to whistling and uh, lays back and starts keeps on drinking with the goat goat come here I need a cuddle buddy voices <laughs> <laughs> the goat <laughs> oh wait did Velvet make that noise yeah that was me <laughs> 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 Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, let's go, let's go. Lakara right. <laughs> brings you outside of the tent. And um, she just brings you outside and she takes a deep breath and says, I know my story was long and I know it held a lot of information that I'm sure hurt you. Hearing about dad and hearing about the fact that I left... I, um, we planned to come and find you, though, Geary. We wanted to be a family again, and I missed you every day. And I just want you to know that everything I've done, I, I did because I believed it was the right thing to do, to help everybody, to save Ilda Chester, the people that threw me out, that outcast me. And I understand that like me, you're angry with them too. I don't know, maybe I'm doing this for your father, or... She kind of tears up as she says, but now you're the only family I truly have, and I will do anything within my power to make this up to you, and all the years that I missed with you growing up, and I wanted to extend an offer to start that healing process by helping you out with your your bird mimic his eyes lighten up may I take a look at him oh I have a mimic on me the whole time okay yeah he takes uh he takes mimic he's who he's wrapped around in linen and um hands it to you come let let's go to my tent I I need to take a look so you, you travel to her tent, to her workshop. She takes a look at Mimic and uh, she you let her know that the verdict is that he's currently in a coma. Comatose, and yes. she says, hmm, 
Yes, some conventional healing cannot help with that, but I do have an idea. Give me this hour with him. I can create something that can stimulate his brain and possibly get him out of this coma. Do you trust me? Yes. She releases a breath and says, Thank you. Can I show you something? Of course. He, uh, he takes her by the hand and, um, walks with her and tries to get a good view of the people, like, um, that he's traveled with. Mm-hmm. If, if he has a good view. Enough. You see the tent, you see Bree and Lena uh, making their way to their own spot and Sai sitting by a fire. Look. Look around carefully. Strain your eyes at the darkness around us. At the darkness around me. You said that you're sorry for leaving. Well, you didn't leave. These people made you leave, just like me. This is home, and and he points at the tent. Here, right in front of us. Those who I've met along the way. That is my Tiglak. It doesn't matter where your home is. It is your people. And he uh, puts his hand on his shoulder, and he walks away. She smiles, very very proud of what you just said, and she's happy, and she turns into her tent and begins feverishly working away at something to help Mimic out. Mm. I think, Gary, it's just going mm-hmm. to sit on a rock, and that's his thing for now. <laughs> right on. Perfect. He's like a thinker pose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. It does so, this awesome speech, and then sits on a rock. Yeah. <laughs> Following Geriad's gaze across the camp, uh, we travel through and we come upon Lena and Bree, who are walking to find their own private corner of this great hall. And you do. You go a little outside of the camp, closer to the entrance from the Underdark, which you came into, and there's nobody around. Um, Bree turns to Lena and kind of looks at the ground, and she said, I, I know you don't really trust us right now, and... I just wanted to say that if I've done anything to make you upset with me, I I want to apologize. You've, you've been a really good friend to me. You've said so many nice things to me, and you drew those lovely pictures of me and Verna, and the, I, I know I probably haven't been as good of a friend as I could be. I'm kind of awkward, and I'm not very good at talking. Y- you're what? awkward and not good at talking. She interrupts and goes, are you... Uh, sorry, continue. I didn't, I just, I'm sorry, continue. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I know I'm not that good of t- at talking and, you know, you're always saying nice things and, you know, being really strong and protecting the group. And I, I, I just wanted to say that I, I apologize and I promise I'll be a better friend because... I want you to trust me and I want you to talk about what's going on and let me help you because I, I saw what happened when we were fighting Lord Thana. You you weren't yourself and it happened again today. And if it happens again in the future, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Look, before I went on this adventure, 
it was just me and Verna, and I never really had any friends, and I, I'm worried that if he keeps taking you over one of these times, you're, you're not going to come back, and and I don't want to lose you. Hey, I, hey. I don't know if you feel the same, but I, I think of you as my best friend. I feel like Lena just stares for a really long time with like this shocked expression and then slowly her expression turns to like a half smile and then she just shakes her head and goes wow um okay well first off thank you for I don't think I've ever been anyone's best friend <laughs> and Talking is hard, so I get that. And <laughs> Bree kind of laughs a little. <laughs> you, you don't have to worry about Rack. He's. I've been with him for well, ten years. So, and he's always. Just don't worry about that. But, but why do you have to? <sighs> We don't know what he's going to do when we get closer to getting all the shards and and, and doing this ritual that we need to do. What what if he uses that to take you over completely? He she kind of stops for a second and shakes her head and goes, "Don't." He he needs me. It's it. Don't worry about it. But you. You think I don't trust you? Yeah, I mean, we tried to get you to talk about what was going on, and and you you wouldn't. And I, I thought maybe that was because you didn't trust me because I wasn't a very good friend. Bree, 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 please. <laughs> wow. I... No, you're... I trust you completely. You are one of the best friends I've had and have been the nicest to me. Don't please don't think that. <laughs> and she kind of like takes her hand and goes, please never think that I don't trust you. And I, you're one of the best people, like I said before. Thank you for caring so much about me. It means, it means a lot. Thank you. Uh, please, please talk to me if you think anything is, is weird or, or going wrong. Please, because I, I don't want it to be too late to be able to help you. Lena's brows kind of furrow, because I don't think she ever thought about that as an option, and then she flashes back to that guy banging his head against the, the bars. And it just puts this little seed of doubt inside of her that she doesn't really like, and she tries to push it away and just says, she just puts on a smile and says, I, yes, thank you. If I need someone to talk to you, I will. Hey, the okay. others probably think we're talking, like, girly stuff about, you know, <laughs> guys or girls we like or something like that, right? Oh, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Do people think about that sort of stuff when they see other people talking? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Maybe that's um... something best friends talk about, you know, the people who think are attractive. Oh, okay. I wouldn't really know. I've never had a best friend. You're the first um, one, so. Yeah, I, I'm same. <laughs> All right, well, people ask. I won't tell him anything we talked about. It's sacred, S sacred best friend bond. 
I, I like that, okay. And so if you know, if you have a crush on Velvet or something since you guys kissed, you, you can tell me, but I won't tell anyone. <laughs> Bree starts laughing. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone would believe that. And I mean, with the way he treated Verna, oh, I, I oh, don't know. Yeah. And, and yeah, I kind of wanted to punch him in the face when he did that because Verna was really nice to me. But She knows you're a good person and I know you're a good person too. So <laughs> please... You know, don't be afraid to talk to me. She's 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 kind of feeling bad every time Bree says, "Oh, I see you as a good person," because she's in her mind, just like, "I hope you won't hate me by the end of this." Um, <laughs> but yeah, she just she just says, "Yeah, we should we should probably head back." You know, find the others. I'm I'm a little worried about Geary. And, um, he's been yeah, a lot more passionate than I've seen him ever in my life. I, I think this has been a lot for him being mm. reunited with his mom. Well, we've dealt with family drama before. So uh, we're basically experts now. As Bree turns around and walks away, you get the sense that Rak Tilkesh was very agitated with that whole conversation. It was just this sort of pins and needles feeling in the back of your brain that he couldn't control, and you can sense that he he didn't like that. But he doesn't say anything. Yeah, no, Lena kind of has this flash again to that guy smacking his head against the bars and just kind of shakes her head again and tries to push it to the back of her mind again. And, and walks slowly behind Bree. All right. Everybody took their hour, met with each other, had conversations, and you all meet back with Lakara in her tent. Now, as you all meet together, uh, she's just finishing welding together uh, a little golden piece of machinery. And as she turns around, she says, Giriad, Giriad, come over here. Come see what I've made. I, um, I walk over. You all see that she's created a little bird-sized helmet, and it has a small leather strap. And on the one side, there is a glass monocle of sort that acts almost like a uh, it telescopes in a way. And uh, she says, let's place this on Mimic and see what happens. She ties the helmet around Mimic's head, and she clicks a small metal button on the side. And you see this zap go through Mimic's body, this shock as his wings get electrified and they splay out. And then he lays back onto the table motionless for a moment. But then you see Mimic's little black beady eye open up, enlarged by the size and the glass of the monocle over his eye. He flaps his wings and stands back up, kind of ruffles his feathers, and he looks around at the group, and uh, the one eye is completely covered, but the other one, yeah, you see is blown up by this monocle, so it looks the size of, like, a human eye, basically, on his head. <laughs> that is adorable AF. I know. That ought to do the trick, and she claps. Um, I put my arm out <laughs> for him to land on it. Mimic flies, and with as much grace as he always has, lands on your arm, and he nuzzles up to your neck. Period. <laughs> he, um, <laughs> he, he tries to hide a smile and he says, that'll do. She explains, she goes on to explain that the helmet will actually help Mimic uh, to do better than he could originally. Because of the monocle, he now has advantage on anything to do with wisdom checks. And he also gets to attack twice. Wait, no, he already attacks twice, doesn't awesome. he? Awesome, yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> No, he, uh, he gets to attack twice whenever he wants now. Oh my god. If he's in combat. Oh my god, that's awesome. So it's kind of like a little battle yes. mech helmet that helps him. <laughs> oh, cool. I like that. Hmm. Very nice. Huh. Very nice. Very nice. So there's a feeling of very nice that falls over <laughs> the group nice. and she says, Okay, 
Now the dragon problem. I've been thinking about it, and I can't remember who exactly said it, but I think you're right. I think it would be a good idea to have team distract and team go into the castle. Now here's mm -hmm. what I know. That was me. I did that. I just want to point. This. Sorry. Um, okay, I continue. think it was a group effort. <laughs> good job, Lena. Thank you. Go on. What? <laughs> here's what I know. When the dragon is active, when the king is using the dragon, he becomes dormant. Ooh. Okay, so when when he is using the dragon's dormant, when he's connected to them, or when he's not, when he is not. So when the dragon is animated, he mm -hmm. cannot move. He cannot see. Uh, he is. He cannot. He is completely in the dragon and seeing through oh, the dragon. Oh, interesting. I see. Okay. okay. And he gotcha. can switch between being in the dragon's view and his own. Mm -hmm. So I do agree that if we can distract the dragon, mm -hmm. he'll be helpless on his own if someone's within the castle. Yes, that's a. That's especially good, if he thinks thing. that. Especially if he thinks that no one is going near his body. Because you. Yes, but I'm assuming if he thinks it's threatened, he'll switch back. So we don't want that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Stealth would be of the essence. I'd imagine he's being protected and watched over by his own dwarven army as well. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. We have to deal with... Do we know how many uh, his army is? Do we have any idea how many he's taken? From what I know, it's a small army of 50 to 75 dwarves. Oh, okay. That's small. <laughs> that's all. She says... It puts us in a bit of a tricky situation. I want to know your opinion. There is... There are three ways we can approach the castle that I see. One is by air, but it's, I, I, I do not have any ideas of possibly how, it's just an option. I don't know if you have anything up your sleeve. Um, oh, one I is, do. <laughs> one is by ground through the main tunnel that leads into the castle. Now this tunnel, it was created purposefully as a choke point so that if the castle were to ever be under attack or to be sieged that all the warriors of the opposing uh, on the opposite side of the war would have to go through this tunnel to get into the castle it's strategic and I assume would be well guarded as we have tried to break through there a few times unsuccessfully the final option and the most controversial would be going through the underdark the mine, the mine path that we created looking for the dragon's remains. We could get to old Ildichester and work our way back up into the castle. And hopefully without them even suspecting we're there. So they don't know about this entrance? They do. The problem is they most likely believe no one's foolish enough to try it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's dangerous. Well, we faced danger before, haven't we? Like several, right. on several occasions. Mm -hmm. Many, one might say. A lifetime's worth. And and the dragon, is it, uh, it's obviously in a, a different place. Would we, would it be best to go one way for the dragon, one way for the, the king? Lena looks to Lakara and says, do you have, you seem very skilled with creating different things. Would you have a way that the king group could communicate with the dragon group? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I could use some scrap parts to create something to that effect. Uh, maybe a, a, a ring, perhaps, or an earring, uh, so that we could speak into it. That, that We could do that. We could do that. Absolutely. Excellent okay. idea. That is good. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Sometimes um, I come up with good stuff. <laughs> now, 
I'm worried that if we divide early and one goes after the dragon and the other goes after the king, that the group looking for the king may not even be able to find him. I, I, I think it might be unwise for us to split apart now. I think, and please tell me your opinion of this. It might be best for us to all take the same way into the castle first hmm. to find the king sense. and then divide. But hmm. please, please tell me what you think. Well, um, I think that makes we, sense. It does make sense. And I, and I would say that the the, uh, the Underdark is probably the best option to make a sneak attack. Mm. Bree, um, yeah, Bree nods and she says, if, if you think that's going to be the direction that they least suspect. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to go to the king first and he's guarded by 50 to 70 men, I don't know if that might be the case, we'll need all of us together. Well, the only other thing I can think of before we head out is, should we have some of the people here be on, on the ready in case we need backup, especially with the army, as a means of distraction or, or help? You want someone to stay back here? No, I mean having some of the townsfolk. Of the dwarves. The dwarves. Yes. The dwarves, yes. Good thinking. We can- I will choose a leader amongst the dwarves. I will create an earring for them as well so that they can listen into our conversations. Perhaps when we find the king's whereabouts, when we're ready to launch our attack on him and to distract the dragon, we can message them so that they create the distraction outside of the castle. Mm -hmm. Maybe they could be enough that... She sighs and says, although if they do fight the dragon alone, people will be lost, and if we aren't fast enough, then everyone will die. Um, but at the same time, <laughs> and she huh. kind of just puts her ha- head in her hand. She says, uh. <laughs> What do you think, Geriad? I actually agree with my mother from the latter. Hmm. I think it's hmm. your call. I mean, this is, well, I know it's not your home, but these are your people. What do you think, mother? Hmm. She looks you in the eyes, and after a moment, she places her hand on yours and holds it and says, Your words from earlier move me, Geriad. The way I see it, the people around this table are friends, our blood family. They are the only people I care about. And while I respect Ildichester and his people, I think it's a sacrifice that needs to be made. I think that we should all go into the castle and have the army do the best they can at distracting and perhaps all of us together can take down the king or once the king is found, we'll have to gauge the situation, but you all come first. Could we arm that? I mean, maybe they'll be willing to if they hear we're trying to finally get rid of the king and the dragon. And is there anything that you have bombs or explosives that we could arm them with to give them more of a fighting chance with the element of surprise? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, this is a revolution, is it not? Now's the time. If there's any mm-hmm. time to, uh, to to do a coup d'etat, it's now. Do you have any animals that they can use in, as part of the battle? The, or bombs. The mechanical animals? <laughs> bombs. Explosives. You, you're all right. And you're right, Velvet. It's I believe this is the plan that we must go all in. Mm. I agree. I will create. I will create explosives. I will make 
as many constructs as I can to aid them. But then we go in and we finish this. Ah, la revolution. I'm so in. <laughs> I've always wanted to overthrow a, a non-elected government. The, her her hairs kind of stand on end on her arms, and she smiles and says, "Me too." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your players to exciting fantasy worlds with Sword Coast Soundscapes. With over 100 different D&D soundscapes on YouTube, Sword Coast has ambient tracks for any setting from coast to coast, some of which you can hear in this podcast. If you're loving the music you hear in this campaign, then consider supporting Will Savino on his Patreon, Music D20, where he is constantly dropping new music to elevate your tabletop games. Just go to www.patreon.com and search Music D20. After choosing a patron tier, you'll get access to hundreds of tracks thoughtfully composed for your adventure role-playing games. Hey there. Thanks for listening. Tall Tale Theatre Collective is proud to announce that we are expanding our podcast network to now feature two programs. We will continue to present our horror series, Night Terrors. Welcome to a world of thrills, threats, and terrors. Night Terrors is an anthology radio play podcast that will bring you face-to-face with your nightmares. Come listen, if you dare. Introducing our newest program, Fantasy Fantasia, which includes two RPG podcast campaigns. The first is Dungeons & Dragons, Legend of the Silver Flame. Experience laughs, suspense, and triumph with a motley crew of adventurers who could be the last hope against great evil, long thought to be vanquished. The second is Monster Hearts, Undergrad. Follow the tale of romance, mystery, desire, and murder as an unlikely bunch of mostly pubescent monsters navigate their social, academic, and supernatural lives at Oakhurst College. Listeners even get the chance to weigh in on the action of both campaigns. For more, visit our website at www.talltaletheater.com. Tall Tale Theater Collective. Grow with us.